I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch these uh, political things in the evening, and that's where I get my energy. But I see a lot of commercials. And for the most part, I think they're just so not interesting. But every once in a while, one hits me. And uh, there's one that, uh, well, well, there's this one that I don't care for. And, and it is, it's a Christmas one where um, this woman goes outside and she is all excited because there's a brand new car there. And she says, for me? And then he announces that he got it for himself. And first of all, I, I, I just grew up in a different world. Uh, we didn't give cars to each other or anything like that. So I can't even imagine somebody getting a brand new car for Christmas. I can't even imagine it. But if I could imagine it, how sad for this woman to go out and the man shows it to her and then he says, I bought it for myself. Oh my God. Now in contrast to that, there's another commercial. And I don't know what it's for. I think it's for insurance or something. I'm not sure. But um, it's a, some family scenes and uh, around the Christmas tree and all this. And then someone brings in a little box and it's really nicely wrapped and sets it down and all of a sudden this little puppy comes out of it, pokes its nose out. And, uh, and everyone, of course, excited, especially the kids. But the next scene is the one that I think is so delightful. I mean, I like that enough, just that the puppy, the way it pops out of the, the box. It's got blue eyes, this puppy. But then it's in a bedroom and the parents and the kids are on the bed with the puppy and the puppy is, of course, jumping and licking them and everything. And this whole family has become one around this puppy. This puppy somehow has the energy and power to make them be one and to be rejoicing. This little animal gift. Well, similarly, but a thousand times more, we're gathered not by a puppy by any means, but by who we say is the Savior of the world, Jesus the Christ. And actually, today's Mass is still anticipating in the readings. Tonight, there's no future language. Tonight, it'll say, uh, 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 the people have walked in darkness and have seen now. They have seen a great light. But these readings are still focusing us because that's what the church likes to do liturgically. If there's still a few hours, if it's the vigil before, we still want to anticipate. But what we are anticipating is God entering the world in such a way that there is transformation. So the prophet Isaiah says, you know, you were called desolate no longer. Now you're my beloved. And God is speaking through the prophet to say, I will come into the world, and when I do, everything will be changed. And if I get into your lives, I'm telling you I'll get into the world, but if I get into your lives, if I get into your mind and your heart, you will never be the same. And that, of course, is what we celebrate. And in the anticipation, we are looking at John the Baptist, again at this gospel, um, and we're looking at Joseph and his dream to, to recognize the coming of the Christ child. But it's still an anticipation. And so we hear this part of the story that Joseph has, is a bit alarmed because 
He's betrothed to Mary, but they're not married yet. And they had these stages, steps toward marriage. Um, but then he discovers Mary's pregnant. So this is very confusing to him. And uh, by law, he could have had her stoned to death. He could have had her put to death. But he was a just man, the scripture says. Righteous man. So instead, he decided to divorce her quietly. He didn't want any shame to come upon her. He obviously respected and loved her. But it was, I guess, what he should have done. But then an angel comes to him, and, and the scripture is replete with these stories of angels coming and sharing messages, and this one is as good as any of them. It says, no, Joseph, here, hear this. Something different is happening here. God is entering your space in a very powerful way. It's through the power of God and the Holy Spirit that she is, has conceived and is going to bear a son. And then he says things like, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. Through his coming into this world through Mary, we are going to experience an entrance of God into our lives and into our world. And the proof's always in the pudding. Here it is. 2,020 years later, we're celebrating that birth. 2,020 years later, we're saying the most remarkable thing ever has happened. Now, there's all kinds of ways that we could describe it personally, each one of us, I suppose. But I like, uh, there are three um, prefaces to the Christmas season. And uh, the first two are really kind of philosophical about the invisible God has come into the world in a visible way. And, and it's, it's, I like them, but they're very wordy and kind of uh, almost inaccessible. But this one I really like. After we've said the dutiful, the Lord be with you, lift up your hearts, let us give thanks to the Lord, it is right and just. And then it, he introduces with the truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, etc. But then this little paragraph captures it so powerfully. It says, for through him, that's Jesus, for through him, the holy exchange that restores our life has shone forth today in splendor. The holy exchange that restores our life has shone forth today in splendor. I don't know if that registers with you or for you, but this is where it comes together for me. Um, I, I think that as beautiful this scene, the baby Jesus, and I love it, it's so appropriate that when we look at this, and if even for a moment we glance up, we see the cross because they are inexplicably related to one another, the birth and the death, the incarnation and the redemption. And this same Jesus, this little child, that 33 years later will mature into a full adult, a man of God, incredible, will hang on that cross, uh, the result of people's hatred and fear and ignorance and jealousy. And as they are killing him, literally, they've arrested him and condemned him and, and they brutalized him and stripped him and, and uh, humiliated him and shamed him and rejected him. And as he's dying and they're still giving it to him, this one hangs on the cross and looks at them with forgiveness and love. It's extraordinary. 
If it, if it were just a, a story, it would be extraordinary. But this is the reality that we believe in. And this is where this preface comes to full fruition. There's an exchange of human and divine going on in Jesus. Human and divine. The human that came through him, birthed in him through Mary, comes out growing into his full human life. And he is in, so in touch with his divinity, and this divinity is so in touch with his humanity, that there is a transformation of us. In Jesus the Christ, we say, humanity and divinity is touched in each one of us. Because the more that we can let this Christ be born into us, especially his word, what he teaches and what he models by his own example, the more that we can say this, you can hate me, but you can't make me hate you. That's it in a nutshell. You can hate me, but you cannot make me hate you. Because I have the freedom to forgive and to love no matter what. And I always like to say, love doesn't mean like. You know, we can love somebody that is want only good for them. Want their transformation, their change. Want them to be better. Don't have to go out to pizza with them. But we can love them. And if we can find in ourselves that grace, that energy, that divinity, that divine spirit in our human spirit, when we're experiencing such ugliness, we get it. We get how Jesus the divine, the Christ the divine, has come into Jesus, birthed him, and now he brings us into the divine. And we discover the transformative, the transformative power of believing in this Christ and letting this Christ be born in each one of us.